Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast. In this episode, we discuss January's read, The Starless Sea. I'm Tara. I'm Jeanette. I'm Meredith. I'm Susan. And as a reminder, guys, as of last episode, we've switched up our format a bit and are now releasing two regular episodes a month. This episode is for the second of the month and will consist only of our book club discussion. The first episodes of the month will consist of our general bookish conversations. Uh, This month, we talked about how our reading habits have changed over the past decade and gave each other some interesting uh, bookish resolutions for 2020. Thanks, Meredith, for that half a novel uh, (laughs) resolution. Um, So definitely make sure to give that a listen if you haven't already. And yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the discussion. All right. So this month we read The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern. And um, describing this book, summarizing this book has been very, very challenging. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I can't imagine. Actually, that is a (laughs) monumental task. Yep. Yes. So ostensibly this book is about Zachary Ezra Rollins, who, through discovering an unusual book in his library, becomes involved in a mysterious society and a world and an underground world um, full of stories and guardians and keepers, swords, bees, secrets. And he has to solve a mystery and get to the bottom of this adventure. But really, this book is about so much more. It's about the way stories interact interact with each other, the way stories evolve and change over time, um, the way metaphors can be both real and symbolic, and the way people interpret those stories for themselves. And it's incredible. So, (laughs) at least I think it's incredible. So my first question to you is, what did you know going into this book? I mean, other than it was written by the incomparable Aaron Morgenstern, um, who did write one of my favorite novels of all time, The Night Circus. I basically knew it was a book about story. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything else beyond that because I desperately was trying to not set up any real expectations for myself. When you love a book as much as I love The Night Circus, I was just desperate to keep myself as pure to this book as I possibly could be so yeah I knew very very little actually going in yeah pretty much with you there Tara I feel like I also wanted to not compare it to the night circus oh yeah yeah when it's one of your favorite books and you've waited how many years for the next book seven five I think six or seven over five yeah. You know, it's like definitely having to temper your expectations to mm-hmm. be like, I want to love this book, but I don't want to put it on this pedestal that it cannot attain. Um, I feel like it was, it's kind of, um, what is it, Jesse Spano from uh, <laughs> Saved by the Bell when she's yes. on those caffeine pills and she's like, I'm so oh, excited. Yeah. I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah. I, 100%. I mean, it's to the point that, like, in any other book, like, the main character of this book is gay. Right. And Mm -hmm. there's a huge Mm -hmm. amount of diversity in the book's characters. And if this was any other book, I would have known that going in because it would have been one of the reasons I read the book. And I had no idea. I had zero idea about that before I opened the page. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know about anybody else on that. 
What about you, Susan? Um, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm not in the internet much, so like I <laughs> actually I'm not privy to much. <laughs> but I did have I try not to have high expectations, um, especially a sophomore book, right? Because sometimes you know it doesn't quite meet expectations. Second um, books are hard, especially yeah, when your mm-hmm. first book was such a hit. Exactly. Yeah. Like the pressure of like, I have to do something just as good, you know? So, but I mean, I did love the night circus and I was like, I really like her writing. I have hope that I'm going to like it. So I went in with like, um, a positive attitude. So, but yeah, I did not know much about the book other than that. <laughs> I think it's interesting how um, anticipation impacts the way you look at a book. Definitely. Because I, Mm -hmm. like you guys, basically what I knew was it was Aaron Morgenstern and it was about stories. And that was all I needed to know, honestly. (laughs) That's true, true. too. Yeah. 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 Didn't need to know more than that. (laughs) Really didn't need to know. And um, it'd been eight years since her last book. So, you know, of course there was that, both that anticipation and that, you know, well, could it be as good as the last one? It's been a long time. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, Then going into the book, what was one thing that stood out to you? Oh man. Uh, I mean, her writing was really good. Uh, Everything was very vivid um and clear to see um like i just i adore her writing it's really good yeah it is yeah um this book definitively rocked my world in a couple of ways like i i love this book um but i'm going to save all of my dreamy eyed <laughs> sighs and uh watery feelings for later in the discussion and, but the and mention the other thing that I don't think we'd get to um, if I didn't mention it here. And that is we just finished the 10th girl last month. A December pick for 2019 yeah. was the 10th girl. And the um, amount of comparisons I could make between the 10th <laughs> girl and the starless sea were just like unreal. Uh, you know, there's video game references. It's about how story unfolds. There's a plot. To, like there's just, it was crazy to me, and I, I just kept thinking throughout my entire time reading, devouring, and loving the Starless Sea was that this is what, I feel really bad saying this, but this is what the 10th girl was trying to do for some of it and just failed, whereas this is doing it so, so well. So mm-hmm. having them set up against each other um, in my reading cycle like that was just crazy for me. Mm. Um, That's a good point. I, yeah, I agree. But is because... That actually occurred to me when we started seeing those video game references. I was like, I wonder if this is going to, and, and some of the things that you know have popped up in throughout the story. I, I was like, I wonder if this is going to set up a contrast to the tenth girl. And not having read it, I was like, or does it? That I'm just seeing this because I don't really know the tenth girl oh, that no. well, mm-hmm. or is it like mm-hmm. actually happening? So when you 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 were started saying that, I was like, interesting. I really, yeah, I. So you didn't even read it and you caught on to it. So like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I feel like that's a good, very good description from you guys. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, I 
loved that that literary ball near the beginning of the book was mm-hmm. held at the Algonquin Hotel in Manhattan because I just stayed there over the summer. Nice. So it was, yeah, it was so cool to kind of know what she was talking about. And one of the main reasons I picked that hotel to stay in is, yes, they do actually have a hotel cat. Mm. <laughs> cute. <laughs> He's so cute. Um, So the hotel cat was Matilda in the book, and I guess she must have passed during the time that this was written because now it's Hamlet. I can't remember which, the eighth, or I don't know. It's, there's, I think it's always a Matilda or a Hamlet cat there. And he's a ginger cat, and he was fluffy and cute. (laughs) Pet the kitty. (laughs) That's a nice plus to a hotel. Yeah. Right? I like that. You would think I had never seen a cat before when I walked in and it was sitting on one of the, like, the big rolling luggage uh, things. I was like, oh, it's a cat. The cat is here. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Hamlet the Eighth. Do a little live action research there. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yes. And he is very cute, according to the pictures. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go with a fun question now and then I'm going to save some of my fun questions for the end um interestingly I think when we talk about this book there's no way of talking about this book without being super spoilery oh yeah um because everything intersects throughout the novel Mm -hmm. so that's why I thought I'll start with some fun later questions because then when we get into it everything's going to be intersecting and interacting all over the place much like the book I think um So the question is, what is the weather where you are? Using literary descriptors, as they do in the book, what's the weather where you are? All right. So as Jeanette knows, in the D.C. area this weekend, it is like 70 degrees in the middle of January. We also just had some snow like three days ago. Um, So it was fairy tale then. (laughs) Yeah. So now I would say this weekend's weather is ominous in its pleasantry. So it's like the beginning nice. of a thriller. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. So we had a really bad storm come through Atlanta last night, actually. Um, huge, like, just yeah. massive warnings. Uh, <clears throat> it sort of just hit the entire southeast. Um, but it was quick and it was violent. So I'm going to say that last night our storm was like a true crime novel. Um, mm. Yeah, like constant drama and a really quick, <laughs> and really quick to get through, with a real impact. <laughs> with a real impact, exactly. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not much of poetry, but <laughs> uh, it's been usual Colorado weather here: cold but sunny. <laughs> so I mean, it's bare. But it's clear. Like you can like see because it's always sunny, even though it's freezing. So you can see so far. Like I can see three mountain layers back, you know, Mm, on a clear day. mm -hmm. Um, Yesterday we had like the most beautiful full moon, going to yoga, like beautiful full moon just over the foothills. Like it was all clear. So that's cool. That to me 
Huh? Sounds like that sounds to me like Mary Oliver poetry. Oh, I like, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Oh my god, I was thinking that looks that sounds to me like the pages of a poetry book. How like <laughs> it, they're, they're yes. very clean and clear. Jeanette, we mind melded on that. We did. <laughs> yeah. We did. Yeah. But yeah. So that was a fun creative thinking exercise mm-hmm. before I make you think about all sorts of crazy things. Yep. <laughs> So starting into we these warmed up my minds. You warmed up our minds for this. See, I did. Yeah, I did. So um, the book itself starts with the story of a pirate and a girl, which is one of the many short stories that begin this book and then kind of continue throughout it. So, and it starts by telling us that the pirate and the girl are a metaphor. So, what are the pirate and the girl are a metaphor? What are they a metaphor for? That's hard to say. <laughs> that is yeah. hard to say. Yeah. Um, the, the obvious ones is that they are a metaphor and are also actually, like they are a pirate and a girl. It is also a pirate. It is also a metaphor. Uh, they are also time and fate. They are also actually time and fate. And that is also a metaphor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> everything in this book is something and is also a metaphor like the book itself. Um, yes. Yeah, but yeah, it turns out that they are time and fate. Um, and that, you know, time is always waiting for fate to catch up to it, which, um, you know, I thought that was really interesting. Beautiful story, their story, which ends up being really, truly uh, the story of the novel. We think it's Zachary's story, mm-hmm. but really, as we get through the whole thing, it's a story about stories and time and fate and how stories interact with time and exactly fate. everything comes back to other. time and fate yeah which i guess yeah. is true with life right it is everything everything comes back to that yes well and the other day we had interesting discussion about how time and fate could also be the story itself and the reader and what i've realized thinking about that is we had talked about time being the story and fate being the reader because stories the fate of stories is to be read right and mm-hmm. um but i realized that you could also change that around because there are some stories that become part of our lives and so they can kind of become part of our fate but as readers we change over time so time then becomes the reader and fate becomes the story and i was like oh Erin Morgenstern, you are so darn clever. <laughs> right? Well, she is. She, she, this is a masterfully um, pieced together book. It is. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, that you, got, you see, once you've read it, you're like, I see why this took her so long to publish. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can't. This is not like a four-stage hero story, right? This is the, like, literal no. opposite of the four-stage hero story. No, she layers a lot of stories together, and she writes almost an entire book of short stories, mm-hmm. which she then revisits and twists and changes throughout. And there are six books, actually, in the Starless Seas. Mm-hmm. And these stories intersect throughout those six books in different ways. So my question is, how do they intersect? And did you have a favorite Oh man. Did right. I have a Um I I have two. I'm going to cheat. <gasps> I know. Shocking. Tara cheating on a question like this. Um, <laughs> uh 
I love the story in, um, I believe it's in Sweet Sorrows, of the paper world and how people come in and change it. Mm. And how every little thing changes when someone touches it, which I think ended up being a wonderful metaphor for how stories evolve over time. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, everything in that paper world is just gorgeous and beautiful and fragile and unique and um and is easily impacted and and just how that comes back in at the end I think was just genius I was so shocked and so pleasantly happy to be shocked when Zachary ends up in the paper world uh, Mm -hmm. when he quote-unquote dies and Um, do you know what that kind of reminded me of? What did that remind you of? It's different but similar. In the Night Circus, the tent with all of the bottles that you mm. open and has scents mm-hmm. and like pieces oh, of story. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Yeah. In, in a way, like all the tents in the Night Circus, I, I don't really want to compare the two, but are kind of like, like all the little short stories, right? They're like little mm-hmm. bits of brilliance, which Aaron mm-hmm. Morgenstern in general is really good at like um, delivering. Yes. Um, yeah. So my second one would be, uh, I love the moon and the sun in the tavern, uh, which is in Fortunes and Fables. I love, love, love that story. Um, and like the moon having to work with, uh, what is it? The stars and time and fate. And she, she, the moon has to work with a lot of people. To essentially, like, save her with death and stuff to save her love. And um, I love how that comes back in at the end, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The inn at the end of the world. The it's inn a beautiful at the one. end of the world. Yeah. yeah. I loved, I, I did love that one. I loved the story sculptor. Mm, that was mm-hmm. good. Where, yeah, where she starts with making stories out of things that fall apart really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then she starts then using different uh, types of material that hold up longer and longer. And uh, then she has that, that, that place that she uses to hide fate's heart. Yeah. Yeah. And think about that as a metaphor for storytelling and how it's like evolved from an oral tradition, which may just mm-hmm. literally die from like an hour, right? Like someone tells a story to one other person and that story ends to now how we publish and maintain and archive books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought about that as I was reading. Yeah. I thought that was really, you know, fun as well. Yeah. I mean, what a beautiful idea though, of stories that disintegrate in front of your eyes and that Mm -hmm. being like an art show, like that is really just gorgeous. Yeah. Did you have a favorite story, Susan? So I'm thinking, um, no, but not because I didn't like them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's something in each that I really like. And I'm going to say this now. I listened to the audiobook. Um, So it's harder to kind of separate them. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's because it's like hard to follow. They actually, the audiobook is fabulous. Um, it really is. It's a whole is. cast, isn't it? It's, it's a whole very cast. Good. Yeah, there's each, like each narrator for each story, um, which is really nice. But it's not like I can stop and kind of like think about it, you know? 
um, especially because yeah. I was working. Um, and then there was a time where I was like, oh, I really need to get the, I try to give myself enough time for this book, but I was like, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to run short on time. Do not listen to this book in six hours or like in a six hour <laughs> chunk. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Cause it's, it's just, you're getting so much information. There is a lot of information. Cause I was like, oh, I don't want to miss anything. It's so good. And like, I have to get this done. I only have a week left. So I like, I think I listened to like five or six hours in a day. Don't do that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's still really good. It's just, there's a lot. Um, it is. It's a very dense book. It is. It it's is. It's big mm-hmm. and it's dense. Um, Particularly the first few books. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else felt that way. But I felt like the first couple of books were very dense. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't... So the the six books are Sweet Sorrows, Fortunes, Fortunes and Fables, The Ballad of Simon and Eleanor, Written in the Stars, The Owl King, and The Secret Diary of Katrina Hawkins. And I feel like Sweet Sorrows... And fortunes and fables, because this was a intro to the stories, mm-hmm. are a little bit denser, right? And mm-hmm. it doesn't sort of mm-hmm. become more connected for the reader and a little easier to mm. follow until you get to the ballad, and that one kind of just flies. I agree yeah. with that. And uh, to, to echo what Susan was saying, I was reading through this, and I was like, "Sweet stars, I know what that fortune fables." Ballad of Eleanor. Okay, written the stars. So that's all the little pieces. And then we get to the Owl King, and I was like, "Which stories? Yeah, were specific to the Owl King, right?" I honestly can't remember. I, I can yeah. get the other ones just fine in my head, but I can't separate the Owl King at all. Yep. I know what was happening yes. to like Zachary and them, right? Because that's mm-hmm. when they went all the way down. Right. Right. But, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the like excerpts were. Right. That, that's the thing. Like, I know it's separated in six books, but like the stories are still kind of intertwined within those books. They're right. meant to be. Yeah. They're meant so, to be. That's purposefully done. But so it's yeah. like it's harder. Um, because as it goes along, they're really getting intertwined at the end, and the Owl King didn't come in until later, so stuff was already weaving together, and then you get there. But I mean, it's all it's all really good. But I think I I mean I do want to reread, but I think I have to reread it. Um, I actually bought the physical book um, last week. Mm-hmm. It was like just to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. My reread is going to be if the physical reread. Yeah. Because I, I also listened, because as I uh, mentioned uh, in our earlier episode, I was traveling a lot in the beginning of yeah. the month when I was reading this. And there, it's just impossible to carry around a 600-page book. Totally. In your <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I listened to this entire one. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think my reread needs to be a physical reread. Yep, Definitely. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those books, um, and we've talked about this before. I think we talked about it when we did um, the um, the Ryan North Romeo and Juliet one um, a few years back. But this is one of those books where you kind of like have to tag the book as you're reading it and yeah. tag places where things follow together. I was wondering where you're going with that because I was like, I couldn't have thought of two books that are more different. <laughs> They're so different. <laughs> but I remember we had a lot of conversation about tagging and following our journey through the I book. I do remember that, yes. yeah. And so I, I feel like this is one where you could do that. You could tag and follow a journey of oh, a specific 100%. story. Yeah. Yes, which is why I was curious which stories you were you guys were interested in. Like, which ones would you follow? Because I, like, I agree with you, Tara. I think like The Innkeeper and The Moon... I think that's an amazing story. Amazing story. I love that one. So can I read a quote real quick since you brought up Romeo plus Juliet since um, it's a choose your own adventure thing? Right. Um, 
Reading a novel, he supposed, is like playing a game where all mm-hmm. the choices have been made for you ahead of time by someone who is much better at this particular game. <laughs> Though he sometimes wishes choose-your-own-adventure novels would come back into fashion. <laughs> I thought about that. Yes. That is so good. I'm so glad you had that quote marked. It's so true. <laughs> and it's very relevant, actually, to my next question, because Zachary... Um, He's given the door when he's very young, and he's given the door when he's very early in the book, in the book we're reading, that is. Um, And he does not take his door to the Starless Sea. And then later, he and Mirabelle have a conversation about that, and she talks about um, how she doesn't make decisions for him. She just presents him with options, and he is allowed to take those decisions, choose his adventure. But she also has an argument with him where she calls him very passive person, that he's always waiting for somebody to take him by the hand. Mm. Um, so my question is, why doesn't he open that door? And is he fated to go through this, or is he making his own decisions? Is he being active? Is he being passive? And uh, there's a lot in that question, but I think they're all related. I, I'm not sure if child Zachary could have finished the story, but I mm. do believe mm-hmm. Zachary is fated to finish the story. And whether that means he went through that door, then came back out, as many do, and then later go back in, or if it means Child Zachary could have done it, I'm not sure. But I 100% believe that he was fated to go down into the Starless Sea and finish this story. Um, And I think he needed to see that door as a child, even if he didn't go through it. He needed to live with that mystery in his heart in order to eventually close it as an adult. Yeah. Well, and maybe seeing the door and not opening it as a child and living with that memory makes him more apt to go for it as an adult. Mm. If that had been the first time he had seen the door as an adult, would he have gone through, you know? Um, Hmm. Yep. So you think it was sort of like piquing his curiosity as a child that would well, later he, be, like, reignited as an adult? Well, he needs to be in the story. I mean, we, we say, do, does, is Zachary... Would, so fate says, I gave you the option to go through the door, but you did not. You chose not to go through that. I'm not 100% sure I believe in that, because fate is not 100% honest throughout the books. That is and, true. Um, mm. Sweet Sorrows is written way before Zachary ever gets to that door. Yeah, and that is true And in Sweet well. Sorrows, he does not go through the door so i mean that that's just part of the story that's part of the journey um he's meant to live with that in order to in order to finish what he needs to finish and i so i don't yeah maybe now at first when we first discussed this i think i was on the side of oh no he was just always gonna go down but now i now I think I'm convincing myself out of that, and I think he was never <laughs> meant to go down when he was a kid. It was always meant to be him later in life. Mm, interesting. That in- is interesting. And I, I always find it interesting when you're like, but it was in Sweet Sorrows, because I'm not even convinced Sweet Sorrows was written in regular time, because time works differently in the Starless Sea. It could have been written outside of time. <laughs> well, and who wrote it? You know, mm, We don't uh, know. <laughs> did fate write it? Was it written in the stars? I mean, was it just a keeper who wrote it? 
It was it was in what the acolyte alluded to it being in like some sort of private. It's in the restricted section, like right. in, in the restricted <laughs> to the Hogwarts <laughs> reference. It's in the, it's so in did the an acolyte write it? I, I mean, no. Yeah, it had to be somebody down there who wrote the story. Was it his mother? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we don't know. I do think Zachary is very passive. I think that's accurate. I think the most amazingly unpassive thing he does is go to the ball. And from there, everything <laughs> yeah. sort of just unfolds onto him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he does make that choice. That's when he gets sucked into this. Yep. It's is. true. I agree. Yeah. 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 I agree. Well, I- and just picking up sweet sorrows was an act, you mm-hmm. know? Um, you could say fate put the book out there, and he decided to pick it up. Well, Ain't true. It's his story. He was always meant to read it. I don't know. Oh, it's it, so good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I love it. You keep going. and You can go in circles, right? You could, yeah. <laughs> you could. I mean, this book knowingly goes in circles. It's, it paints itself that way, reads itself that way. Um, I, I find it very hard to analyze this book in any real way because of that. Um, you know, I think that, and I, I've said it before, but I really do feel like this book is about how how I felt at the end of this book was like, this is how stories must feel floating through the universal consciousness of the world. Like, it's just the way it all just turns and circles back onto each other and have themes and characters and just keep popping up and um the book is so smart and it knows it's doing it um but because of that i find it really hard to analyze in the way we typically analyze the book but i'm talking too much i'm gonna stop now (laughs) (laughs) no it's really good it's really you know, I think you're bringing up really good points. And I think this book is a hard book to analyze, especially the way it's written. Um, and it's written as if it's a narrative with, you know, characters having different motivations and different conflicts. And, for example, we have Allegra who wants to destroy all the doors. Mm-hmm. And she's constantly going after Zachary and Dorian. And, you know, and it's set up like a conflict. But why does she actually want to destroy the doors? And knowing what we know about those doors, has she destroyed them all? Are there others left? I think there'll always be doors. Me too. Right? I um, think so too. You know, but w- what she's doing is what, like, misplaced, um, well, I don't know what the right word is, but she thinks she's protecting the Starless Sea by destroying the doors because she saw this vision of it getting destroyed and so for her it's more important that it survives even if like no one can enjoy it i guess yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's more important to her that the the end just never comes Mm -hmm. for it yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she didn't want the ending to happen so yeah she right and then of course like you said all of it connects in a weird way so is it's a real is this really feasible comes back can she destroy all the doors? I, I I agree with I agree with you, Meredith. I think you know there are always gonna be doors. There's People always will always be, be telling stories. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So there will always be a way in. Yep. 
So, I mean, yeah, I mean, as I was reading the book, Allegra reminded me of like a book burner, someone who's trying Mm. to keep certain stories, um, like just from being heard. And I don't think that was her intent, actually. I think like in the end, she was more like a collector, like collector's club, like trying to limit stories to specific Mm, people. I think that's more accurate. But mm-hmm. I think in the end, what that becomes is more like a book burning, you know, where it's like if you can try to contain this to just a specific amount of people or just to itself and you're that precious about it and you don't let something be experienced, then essentially you're letting it die, which is what ended up happening to the the Starless Sea. Do you know what mm-hmm. that reminds me of? It reminds me of the conversations that people have about parents letting kids destroy books like because when you have little kids and you hand them a book um especially if it's not like a board book or like you know mm. with hard pages kids and even with those kids destroy <laughs> them like they bite them they put them in their mouth they rip them they spill things on them all the time and some parents get really like upset about that and like no no you're messing up the book you're destroying it you just stepped on it whatever and other parents are like well that's part of how kids enjoy learn to interact with books and enjoy them and interact with them. So it's like, yes, some things will get destroyed. Some things will be changed, but that's how you learn to enjoy the story, your love of reading. Oh, that's good. That's a good comparison. Mm -hmm. I just thought of it when you guys are talking. (laughs) That's how this works. (laughs) So being that there are always going to be doors at the end, Katrina finds her door. And she find, and hers is different from Zachary's in that it has a crown, a feather, and a heart. What is she going to find? Is it the creation of a new harbor? And how might it be different from Zachary's harbor? Oh. I just want her to tell me. Like, <laughs> no. I no, just want to better. know. No, I want to know. I want to, like, <laughs> see what her harbor looks like. I'm like, no. Tell me more. <laughs> that was like literally me while I was listening to the end. I'm like, no, where's the rest? And you can't you have to show me what her harbor looks like. What is the next story? <laughs> She's banging on her audio book. Pretty Keep much. <laughs> Give me more. Why are there not more minutes? Yep, pretty um, much. <laughs> I, so I think, I think if we were to consider... Um, Fortune of Fables, a prequel to Sweet Sorrows. I think Sweet Sorrows is going to be a prequel to whatever happens to Katrina. So I think all the stories are still going to be related, are still going to be reused and recycled, and there's going to be... But it will be unique and and, and specific to her story and her journey. Um, And I do wish I could read it, but I also... I'm okay never reading it. I've, right, right. I've Are you sure, it. Tara? <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I kind of want, so we get so few books from Erin. I just, I would love to revisit this world, but I want her to write me more. Mm-hmm. More new, more crazy things from her brain. Sure. I'm sure um, she has so much more going on, you know, yeah. that she has I mean, to tell. This is what fan fiction is for, right? Like, true. (laughs) I think I would be okay not knowing the end of Katrina's story if I knew where the crown and the feather and the heart were actually going. Because in Zachary's Mm. Harbor, we have the bee and the key and the sword. And by the end of that, we know what those symbols are doing. 
And we know what they originally meant. We know what they have evolved into. We knew where the crown and the feather and the heart were going. Mm. I think yeah. I could have fun at just imagining the rest and I wouldn't need right. it. Like what kind of story well, it would tell, <laughs> right? Well, right. there are feathers and keys and hearts in Zachary's story, too. It's just all, those elements would become the main elements right. of Katrina's story. Right. And thus the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be bees and keys and swords <laughs> in her story as well. But they'll figure differently. And yeah. we already know what those mean. I want to know what these will grow into. But I think they'll they're mean baby. something different in her harbor. Exactly. I want to know what they're growing into. I want to know what the babies are going to become. <laughs> I don't need to know all the details. I just need enough to like, you know, maybe she'll make on a primer own. one day. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like in video games, like you choose certain things and it changes kind of the way you play the game. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this this combination will make this kind of story. But then there's six options, right? So all these different um, and, yeah. objects yeah. will make different stories. And with six options, six objects you could have like a ton of different combinations exactly mm-hmm. you could write a ton yeah. of different stories which yes. is the whole point yes you can yeah <laughs> so um what when zachary eventually descends to the starless sea and dorian as well why is the starless sea made of honey do you guys think so oh. one of our real life book club members had an amazing idea. Um, Allison was saying, you know, how honey never really goes bad. Mm -hmm. You know, you can preserve it and it's always still edible. You know, how it's like the eternalness of a story, you know, and and how you can keep using stories. (laughs) Well, and it's organically made, right? Like the bees make the honey. Like (laughs) they get the little thing of pollen and then they take it back to their hive and then they care for it and it turns into honey to be stored. Yeah. And I, I think also honey is water goes away, right? Water can evaporate. Uh-huh. Honey mm-hmm. is sticky. It, it stays with you. It, it, it moves slowly, right? Like an yes. idea or like pieces of story would. I, I, I think there's so many good reasons why the starless mm-hmm. sea is made of honey. I, I, one of one of the lines that actually struck me as very funny because, you know, this story is atmospheric and it's beautiful, but it's also, you know, it's very slyly funny in a lot of different places. And one of the lines that struck me as funny is when Dorian has fallen into the sea and he's covered with honey and he's like, I never realized how sticky honey is when you like fall into it and you're covered in it completely. (laughs) And I just wanted to be like, because you've been covered in honey so I many know, times. Right? <laughs> how many oceans of honey have you fallen into? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's like, I don't think that's something anybody should have realized. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, re- I looked up a few interviews with Erin Morgenstern that will show up in our show notes. Um, and she said when she wanted, write, was writing this book, she wanted a magical experience that's not Hogwarts because she wanted to feel that's more like age appropriate. Like she said, I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to do homework. I want, you know, a magical adventure that's got that feeling, but it's for me. Do you think right. that she achieved that? Heck yeah. Book? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think she has achieved that. Um, it's that we're following Zachary, right? And it's his like he's never experienced something like this before, and we get to go on this journey with him. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So he might, he might not be like a hero in like the normal sense, but he is who we're following. And so we get to have his experiences. So but this- is it more Hogwarts or is it more Narnia? Oh, it's definitely an adult Narnia. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to you know? say. Not <clears throat> Hogwarts. Um, like if, and, and the funny thing is, and she, she totally, I get why she says Hogwarts and not break bills, but she makes lots of references to break bills. And there's a ton of things that early on in the book, I was like, this is just the magicians, right? <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is clearly a reference to that. And then she even says at one point, and yeah, there's a, there's an, a, there's a crest with a B and a key. And I'm like, that's break bills. That's- yeah. And she does. Um, she layers in a lot of different yeah. other literary references in, which are amazing. Yeah. So fun. So fun. Yeah. But, the, yeah I, def- I definitely think she makes it her own, though. Yeah. yeah. And oh, that's yeah. it. She, it's yeah. very subtle. It's subtly in there for the people who are looking. But if you're not looking for it, it's just very... It's it's not intrusive. It's mm-hmm. there. Yeah. That's how so, a good Easter egg should be, though. It shouldn't be like, in your face, here's an Easter egg. It should be like, oh, there's mm-hmm. this little egg right over here being all quiet (laughs) (laughs) well what i thought was interesting because you know the other side of that coin is that she also said she wanted magic to feel everyday and normal and does that work as well like has she achieved both because you you would think those are two very different extremes of the magical story spectrum Mm mm-hmm well, I, was it fate or someone else was like, don't use the M word down here. Like, don't call this magic. Right. Uh, I think it I was Mirabelle who said that. Yeah. yeah. I can see yeah. her saying it anyway. <laughs> and, and Zachary Ezra Rollins in his head is uh, like constantly being like the magic or whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to call it magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she literally scolds him. I got, because... You know, um, I do think it's everyday and normal in this universe because it's not learned, right? Like, there's no there's no talent to it. Mm-hmm. It just exists. And either you're aware of its existence or you're not aware of it. Either you're in the club or you're out of the club, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, stories are magic and they're also everyday. So right? true. So true, Meredith. You know... <laughs> Being all deep there. Okay, Mare. <laughs> Every once in a while, some, some deep thought comes out. <laughs> that's, that's the part that makes it special because it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so last question because we're going to run out of time here. Um, if you look on the website, there's a quiz. There's um, discussion questions, book club stuff. If you want to take this home for your own book club. Um, and there's a quiz that asks, that asks you questions to determine if you are a keeper, acolyte, or guardian. So my question for you guys. <laughs> what were you? A keeper, an acolyte, or a guardian? Uh, I was hands down an acolyte. Interesting. Yeah. I think three. I was. Sp- yeah, three were, three were acolyte answers. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I was split. I was two keeper, two acolyte, one guardian. Um, so it's I feel so like interesting. this is a hat stall situation, so I get to choose my own adventure. Um, either that or I'm really a feather key or in a heart, and we just haven't gotten to a go. feather Yum. crown or a heart, and we haven't gotten to that yet. Exactly. Um, but I think if I had to pick one of those three, I think I'd be a keeper. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I um, I actually got Keeper, but I was like one question away from switching to Acolyte, which I think makes sense for me. Both could work. Mm. Yeah, I, w- I was a Guardian with one question away from Acolyte. So, yeah. Nice. I, I was, yeah, it was interesting. So <laughs> I, I will endeavor not to cut off anybody's hand. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Appreciate that. I like my hands. Especially Are you guys handed though, just in case. It was, <laughs> if I'm going to make my crafts, I need both my hands. So I'm just saying. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so I don't think I have to ask, but did you like it? <laughs> I did. I loved I didn't it. Like I cried. It. I, yeah. <laughs> the ending. I was just like wrenched, but in a good way. Yes. I mean, Meredith, you said it to me when you finished the book. You're like, I need a drink. I'm like, that is exactly how I felt. <laughs> In the best That's way. like literally what I did. So, yeah, I didn't like it. I loved it. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I finished it. Like, my chest hurt. I got up. I poured myself a glass of whiskey. And I sat there and, like, contemplated my life. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was, like, video of this. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> Awesome. Well, the next book on Eclectic Readers is going to be the March Trilogy by John Lewis and Andrew Aiden. So that's a graphic novel series. We're going to be reading all three of the series. So yes. run out and pick that one up because it is great. Oh, excited. Very excited. Yep. And we'll be talking it's, about it's that, as Tara mentioned at the beginning of the episode. We'll be talking at that about that at the end of February. Yes. So you have a full month to read it. Yay. Yep. And Susan, yeah. this counts towards your resolution, man. Yay! So. I'm so glad you're nice about that, Tara. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't create any sort of weird loophole for your resolution. Or closed weird loophole. Uh, yeah, I closed the loophole. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's all good. I am excited. I read this a few years ago, and I'm excited to read it again. So, yay. Um, yeah, I'm uh, the... Uh, interviews for for Erin Morgenstern and the quiz will be on the show notes, uh, eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 74. And make sure to follow us on a lot of the social medias, Good uh, Goodreads, let's see, at Instagram at Eclectic Readers and Twitter at Eclectic Read Pod. And Ooh. where can listeners find you, lovely ladies? So you can look for me on Goodreads and Litzy at J-M-T-R-I-V-E-R-A. That's J-M-T Rivera. And I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette. That's D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. Tara? You can find me at Goodreads and Twitter um, under my name, which is Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. And I have recently started an Instagram under at Novelly Newman. What about you, Meredith? So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Litzy, and Goodreads under Mare the Book Gal, M-E-R-E-T-H-E-B-O-O-K-G-A-L. Yay. And listeners can find me at Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy at Rudy Kaicho, R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And make sure to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode because now there's two episodes a month. Um, Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and we'll go ahead and shelve this until next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.